Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of the modern monocle. Stopping the copyright bullies from pulling the wall on us. Painting and taking on all the blatant hate and trolls. Looking at the way that they aim to take control. Scrutinizing through their lies and make them fold. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. As a reminder, uh, if you're listening to this and you are a backer on Patreon, please send in some questions for our backers-only episode. Uh, you can do that via our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Now, for today's show, uh, it's no secret, I think, that I'm interested in various business models and ideas around how to keep journalism working and sustainable and interesting and all that uh, beyond a a more general interest in all different kinds of business models related to the internet. When it comes to journalism, it's obviously an issue that touches on TechDirt's very existence, (laughs) which makes it a little bit more personal. Uh, You know, we've been around for 20 years and an awful lot of that has involved experimenting with new and different business models and trying all sorts of experiments. Uh, I'm pretty sure, for example, that we ran what must have been one of the very first crowdfunding campaigns for journalism back in 2009. It may have been the first, I'm not entirely sure. And that was before the world had discovered crowdfunding. Uh, Actually, right before recording this, I looked it up and it looks like our crowdfunding campaign kicked off almost at the exact date that Kickstarter launched. Uh, We didn't use Kickstarter, but it's interesting timing-wise. Another thing that I'm interested in is the blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies and what kinds of new business models that may enable. And uh, as well as the opportunity to, you know, of, of blockchain to bring back the promise of a more distributed, decentralized internet. Uh, these are topics that we've talked about on some of our previous podcasts as well. So when I heard about Poet, uh, that's P-O dot E-T, uh, I really wanted to be excited about it. It's an attempt to use blockchain and cryptocurrency in the journalism world. And it recently brought on Jared Dicker to be its CEO. Uh, Dicker has a long history of doing innovative technology and business model innovation in media. Um, He's been at the Huffington Post and the Washington Post and a few other places as well. Uh, And yet, uh, from what I've seen so far, I have to admit that I'm not entirely sold on the idea. Uh, I've been reading about Poet and I read Jared's blog post on joining the company and I've heard him on some other podcasts and my initial reaction was that it felt like it was solving a problem that I'm not sure really exists in the journalism space. Uh, In particular, he's talked a lot about how with Poet, journalists can own their IP and there's a stronger attribution system with the potential to create something of a marketplace for their work. And yet I'm not entirely clear that owning your IP or uh, getting better attribution are really the pain points for most journalists today. And others have tried to set up marketplaces for journalism that have really not caught on because, again, I'm not sure that the lack of a market is the problem. Journalism doesn't suffer from a lack of place for buyers and sellers to come together. 
Now, because I'm me, I think I whined about this on Twitter a little bit. Uh, and Jared very kindly responded and said that we should talk more about it in person and that he would be here in the Bay Area soon after. So we agreed to get together. And at basically the last minute, uh, I figured, why not turn our discussion into a podcast uh, so that everyone else can listen in as well? Uh, so that's where we are with Jared sitting here across from the across the table from me uh, after I mocked his I, his company on Twitter. So, so welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. <laughs> uh, thanks for, for joining. Uh, now, I'm guessing that my description of Poet and my criticisms of it are probably somewhat unfair. So um, give me the pitch and, and convince me that I'm, I'm sort of missing what, what's exciting and what, what's, uh, what's cool about it. Yeah, so, um, so I don't think it's unfair. As I said... Uh, Earlier, before we started, I was actually surprised that I wasn't met with uh, as much skepticism as <laughs> I probably deserve, you know, coming coming into a space and saying that we're going to solve um, an issue that's been kind of snowballing for quite some time. Sure. What was, uh, I'll start this way, you know, what was interesting about Poet and what problem I thought there is in the media space is this entire idea of future business models. You know, much sure. like you, I've spent a lot of time at the Huffington Post. We created native advertising. We called it social marketing. Uh, we didn't think that was going to work, but it was this idea that we need something new. And in a market that could be extremely directive, if you sound convincing, people will listen. <laughs> so I learned very early on, on the, at, at, at the Huffington Post that we had an amazing CMS, great technology. If we could convince brands to tell their story by leveraging it, seeing a value in social and search, then maybe we'd have a new model, and and mm-hmm. thus we did. And and from there, I was at a few other companies, a couple software companies, and uh, landed at the other post, the Washington Post, where we built Red, which was a complete right. software as a service type product. Poet, Poet to me was interesting because uh, it's really enabling people to think differently in a space that's otherwise become somewhat tunnel vision, right? We we have an idea of how media companies should survive. Um, that's advertising, that's subscriptions. Mm-hmm. Um, you could argue whether or not distribution is of value anymore with what's happening with Newsfeed. However, um, though skeptic, ar- though many are skeptic around the idea of something different, I think everyone can admit that advertising is a huge issue, uh, whether it's bottom of the barrel programmatic, um, one thing that's always bothered me about conversations when it came to publishing is that we're always talking about consumers um, and building better consumer experiences, which sure. I believe is extremely important. However, um, we're doing so by insulting brands and advertisers. <laughs> so uh, I've been waiting for the point for the past three years that we've been saying, uh, hey, advertisers, your ads are not engaging. You're not doing them correctly. Or right. hey, your storytelling isn't as ideal as we'd like it. So let us tell the story for you. And it, in my opinion, it's just a matter of time until brands are going to turn and say, do you want to what? Forget it. We're going to go work with Facebook and Google. Like, not only right. are you complaining that there's a duopoly, but you're pushing me towards them. So, um, <laughs> right. and, then, and then there's the other idea of the subscription model. Mm-hmm. And uh, something that I used to think about all the time at The Post was that everyone that we spoke to would say, uh, yes, of course I subscribe to the post. I'm doing my part. And for me, while exciting, that seems somewhat charitable. And mm-hmm. that was concerning to me as someone who loves media and wants media, uh, and especially news journalism to exist. Uh, the idea that 
you could say you're doing your part for news, but you're not doing your part for Netflix and Spotify was kind of an indicator that the model may not be as strong um, and long-lasting as we think. So right. uh, Poet and its ethos looks to address a few things. I mean, very simply put, and, 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 and its association with the blockchain is the idea of attribution. You know, mm-hmm. proof, of, uh, proof of existence, POE, um, was, was one of the first uh, projects outside of financial uh, on the blockchain to really try to figure out how can you leverage timestamping and data organization on the blockchain for okay. content. Poet is kind of the second phase that's really trying to look and hook um, within all content management systems. So WordPress, Medium, YouTube, anywhere, whether you're uploading manually or you're using R, uh, RSS or OAuth, how can you leverage the blockchain to own your attribution? So to your point, um, many don't believe that that is an end-all solution, just saying, hey, here's a timestamp, this is my content, this is the source. Um, Of course, there's always going to be ways around it, right? There's ways to copy and paste content, like we see now. Um, We're actually investigating investing in um, doing encryption and decryption so that people can have the opportunity to say, do you want to know what, this is my article, and there's going to be a private key, and if you want it, you need to knock on my door. Um, Which, again, you could argue, uh, how is that beneficial for the creator if, if, if it's about views? But what we're really looking to do with that element is because there's so much of a value of having an archive and having your content somewhere and you're creating content in so many different places, uh, we feel that if we can make it seamless for creators to do so, that they would likely want an archive and ownership and something as secure as what could be done on the blockchain. The next wave of it for me is what's most interesting. So Poet is an open source project. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a foundation, right? And we can have a deep conversation around you know foundations and for-profit companies and ICOs and, <laughs> right. and uh, everything in that vein. But that was actually attractive to me. And I think, I don't remember if um, it was your tweet or another tweet, but um, I was comparing the idea of it to a GitHub for profit or Wikipedia, which is mm-hmm. kind of like crowdsourcing truth. And, and I think what's most interesting about something like Poet and the value of it being an ICO is that it is funded, right? It is crowdfunded, like you mentioned in the intro, right. and like a Kickstarter company. Now, there are many that are fraudulent and <laughs> right. have caused a huge issue. And I think, I think um, uh, there's, uh, well, I know that there's a lot of conversations on Capitol Hill about it now. And yeah. But for me, it was interesting because I did the work and we did it right. And I liked this opportunity and idea of building something that at least the community believes is important. So if we have all content in one place, creators own attribution. They mm-hmm. hold the keys to whether or not they want that content to be seen, distributed, and so forth. And if we built marketplaces for it to be discovered... Um, Focusing heavily on partnerships and really investing in the technology, and I don't want to get too detailed because I know you'll have a lot of questions, but if we were able to leverage all of that attribution, get creators on the platform, and build a mechanism on Poet that allowed for broader discoverability for licensing and syndication, then to me, that's something that I think benefits all creators, um, whether you're a blogger or you're right. a larger publisher, brand, so forth. So so I think you know my concerns come back to... like. I don't disagree with anything that you said. Like mm-hmm. it's all interesting, and and I understand you know conceptually how it works. My, I think my concern is, you know, in terms of like I just go back to like what problem is this really solving, you know, and you know with the focus on on attribution and you know having this archive and you know creating this marketplace, you know. I'm still not sure that those are are the problems that that journalism is facing. I, I'm not, you know, I, I, you know, if you're right and if I'm wrong, and suddenly this creates something and creates a new business model, 
great. Yeah. Like, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be the first to, to, yeah. to, to, to jump on board and be like, absolutely cool. Awesome. But, but, you know, you know, when I look at it right now, like, you know, even, even getting beyond the, the fact that like, um, you know, the attribution thing, people can always copy and, mm-hmm. and figure out ways to get it out, out of that. Um, you know, what, you know, how does, how does this actually help journalists beyond just like, you know, I could set up an archive already somewhere and there are concerns about that and questions about that and you have, you know, people are writing stuff and, and then like the publication they write for gets shut down and you have like like Freedom of the Press Foundation, right? They just right. launched this project recently to archive different websites that are at risk of being shut down and you have the Internet Archive that's kind of hosting all of these things and, you know, that's different than what you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. You're talking about sort of a more, like that's more for like historical purposes. Right. So you're talking about something that, I, you know, I think is going to have more utility Mm-hmm. In real time, yes. Um, but I, I, and and so that's a little different. But I, I still don't see that as like solving a big need, right? Mm-hmm. So so from my standpoint, uh, and, and let me take a step back and and sort of see the way that I look at the journalism space, which maybe is my own problem, right? <laughs> but but, but um, you know, and, and I've argued this before that like I think a lot of people see journalism as a news business, right? And they get very focused on, like, we, we create news and our business is news. And, you know, so everything has to be kind of focused around that. Now, I've argued for a long time that that's the wrong way to look at it, that, you know, historically, um, for good or for bad, um, journalism has always been a community business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most of the time it's been sort of like a, a geographically limited community where, you know, your local newspaper, you know, you brought together all the people in the community and you had this mix of sort of local news and, and maybe, you know, some national, international news. But it was a way to bring people together. And the business model that fit very nicely into that was the fact that, you know, when you, you basically had the attention of a particular fairly well-defined community and therefore you could, you know, sell that attention through advertising or, you know, more frequently through like classified ads, right? And so, but it was this this sort of nice symbiotic setup of, of community and attention and, and advertisers. Now, the internet has just sort of blown all those pieces apart and separated them, right? And, and, and you know, and, and broken whatever symbiosis there was. But um, and, and I think the mistake that a lot of a lot of uh, journalism organizations made was that they just focused more and more on this idea, like we're the news business, we're the news business, we're the news business, forgetting the whole community part. And that's why, like you know, I actually, you know, I'm I'm always interested in like you know, and we've done experiments with um, you know native advertising mm-hmm. as well because I always thought like if it's done right and it's we should admit that it's rarely done right. You know, that is a community building opportunity, right? You can provide really useful material for the community in a way that they don't mind it. Um, and, you know, I pointed this out. It's now been a few years, but, like, one of our native units was actually one of our most popular stories mm-hmm. a few years ago because it was, like, it was actually relevant to our audience and it was something that was interesting to our audience. It just happened to be a, a native ad unit that was paid for but done in a way that we knew would, would our community would like and respect mm-hmm. and, and get, get a lot out of. So, so that's my sort of framework for thinking about this. So, so every business model that, that I, you know, the business models that I think that my 
you know, and it's, it's instinct, you know, tell me will work and be beneficial are ones that sort of build community and help journalists or a journalism organization build community and then be able to do something with that community. And, and then you can apply different things. And, and, and I like the business models that are sort of symbiotic and work together with, you know, good publishing, good, uh, you know, well-reported journalism. Um, and I think that's where I'm tripped. Mm-hmm. by what you're yep. doing, where, where I look at this and I say, okay, this is interesting, attribution is interesting, the possibility to license stuff, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that that's like a huge need, and, and I'm not sure how that sort of fits into this, this the way that I view the world of journalism. Now, maybe that's yeah, a problem no, on my no. side. And I, think, and I think that it's important to to recognize that we're talking about journalism. And that's something that early on, um, early on, I've been at Poet for almost a month now. But um, <laughs> in my conversations with Poet, uh, depending on who I'm talking to, right, I use the word content, and it's a very broad term. Right? Sure. When it comes to journalism, I actually realize in conversations with Emily Bell and, mm-hmm. and others that when I'm... Discuss, like when I'm discussing this dystopian world where I believe <laughs> that with something like Poet, and I think a lot of it is data capture and knowledge capture of being able to recognize what platforms are necessary for uh, content creators to be mm-hmm. able to achieve w- what their KPIs are, whether that's revenue, views, whatever they're looking for, and what media entities aren't necessary. Uh, I realized very quickly that One, journalism should be looked at separately in this case and news organizations, mainly because of the ethics, right, and and editorial curation and things behind it that you see the social networks missing and what the biggest criticisms against them are, which is basically this idea of curation and ethics and, and, um, and understanding community and how best to position a story to a community. So when it comes to journalism, um, I think that there's a couple things where this helps. One, the community element. So I didn't want to get way too confusing on this podcast, but we might as well talk about it because we're talking about blockchain, is this idea of uh, these token curated registries, right? So what's very interesting in this space, and especially in the altcoin space, but these tokens, right? So mm-hmm. so tokens are very prominent in the blockchain so, space. So why, why don't just, because I'm not sure if everyone listening yes. will understand, let's explain sort of what, okay. what, what is the token. Okay, so so let's do Poet, for example. Okay. Poet, Poet is a platform, it's a technology platform that has token holders. Mm-hmm. And the token holders are ones who bought into the Poet platform. They could currently buy into the Poet platform. And by having that token, there's a value to either hold that token or leverage that token. Right. Uh, many, many of the other platforms like XRP and Ripple, you might have heard those two go together, mm-hmm. um, Bitcoin currencies and others, um, these technologies that are looking to be built in the cryptocurrency space are trying to figure out how they could build their own token to make a gamified type version of the technologies that they're building. These token curated registries are this idea of, can you enable the community to basically do certain things based on token incentives? So what I like to compare it to, and I've tried to oversimplify it, and especially now, especially in journalism, where there's Mm -hmm. this complaint that we're constantly valuing retweets, likes, shares, and comments, and is that even good for our business? Tokens are kind of in the same vein, right? Like the way that journalists or content creators or advertisers or anyone values someone retweeting or liking or commenting, right? Which is how we got together. Like there's something innate within you uh, that drives some value from that. And that's kind of how we're thinking about tokens. So 
in this case, just to quickly um, hopefully tie everything together, in Poet, we have this idea of attribution. Mm -hmm. Then we have this marketplace of 50,000 token holders mm -hmm. that we're basically enabling to be validators and verifiers. So if you are a creator, in journalism, it's somewhat harder, but the example would be something around verifying my facts or verifying mm -hmm. my news. Um, but there's also the case of maybe an amateur snowboarder filming themselves and saying, I want to stick a token into the community so that these Poet community holders can verify my content, validate it, upvote it, so that when it's being searched or when it's being um, syndicated or licensed within the Poet search engine, my content will come first because it is the most verifiable mm -hmm. and validating. So what's interesting when you talk about community, and it doesn't directly answer your question, but I will, but when you think about what this could do, you're basically enabling people the same way that Reddit has enabled people and whether or not you think that's a good thing. Um, right. And I think that's another discussion to have of whether or not Reddit is a media company because I think very much so sure. there's a lot happening there, yeah, uh, yeah. even though much is uh, to be disagreed with. If you incentivize with an actual token or someone feeling like they have a stake in the game, then what happens? Does content have farther reach? Is it more discoverable? Is it more validating? Do you seed out bad so, content? So, so I mean, just to clarify this even more, I mean, you're to some extent you're arguing that you're you're putting potentially more of an well, potentially more of an actual monetary value on on an action in terms of like you know voting, right? So, in you know in the case of Reddit, voting up if you get a lot of you know clicks now you basically can get to the front page of reddit but with something like poet there's additional benefits right and i think to your question about licensing mm -hmm. right and this is completely macro but one of the main issues that i think is happening in publishing and why for 20 years you've been uh, trying to figure out new models right, right. And, and successfully doing so right. <laughs> which is good um is because I don't think we understand the value of content. I mean, that's mm -hmm. the biggest issue that, while I don't have the direct answer on how to do so, I think a platform like Poet could deliver us enough data where we could start figuring out what a free market looks like when people are bidding and seeing value in content, mm -hmm. where we know how much content costs, how much a podcast, how much time it takes for you right. and I to sit down here and for you to edit and publish this, or um, maybe a piece that David Fahrenthold is creating and all the reporting for the Washington Post versus someone who is just flipping on their phone and taking um, just some sort of like amateur video. Right. Uh, we don't know what that costs. We know uh, how much advertising we could sell against it. We know how much subscriptions we could sell against it. And what I believe um, mm -hmm. is that it's extremely undervalued. And I think if you ask anyone in media and the importance of media and it's being consumed more than ever and, and um, farther and wider than ever, uh, that, that there's not a lack of interest in content being sure. created, but, but it's becoming more and more difficult for content creators to get paid sure. or... Um, feel motivation, right, to 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 go and like above and beyond and do the work that they need to do. So if we have this, if we could get all content creators on the platform in a very seamless way, which is the attribution element that, as you mentioned, has happened before, but there are some benefits to the blockchain, right, with mm -hmm. being able to encrypt, decrypt, and and control permissions, allow those creators to then enter a marketplace that allows validity or the opportunity to have their content endorsed or grown, right, mm -hmm. with, with an incentive behind it, and then be able to reinvent the way that people search for content. So instead of going to Getty Images, instead of going to Creative Commons, instead of going to the AP and licensing, mm -hmm. can Poet, right, in, I'm, I mean, of course, I would love this, but <laughs> can Poet be that place that people go to, whether they're licensing content or interested in content, 
And that algorithm could be tweaked by most recent or most relevant, but also the top results could be what that community has deemed the most right. factual, the most interesting, and the most valuable for that. Right. So period. I could see. So 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 as I'm thinking about this, right? I mean, I can see some interesting examples of where that that could play out. Where also you could you know you could segment the community and, and do interesting things. Where if you want to find content that is validated by certain individuals, or that or or um, you know, I'm not even sure how you, but but there are different ways where you could then you could add an, another layer of metadata to to a search so that you know this content is you know is validated by people that you trust effectively, right? Right, right. and and the idea of mm-hmm. right now, um, a lot of content creators when they're creating something in in a content management system, like for the most part, if we're going to talk about journalists because that's mm-hmm. yeah. um, the topic at hand, um, when they go in and create a piece of content, they need to go into Getty and choose an image and that image costs right. money. Or you use Creative Commons and that image may be free. Or right. you're quoting a story or using music or trying to license a video. And it's very expensive, right? Like mm-hmm. Those are some underlying costs that we really don't look into when we think about what media companies need to pay out because we're constantly thinking about uh, the cost of labor and the cost for creators and you know right. advertising against it. But there's also this whole other business of being able to license and get content in a way that right. that if you if you empower the long tail, mm-hmm. right, and if you empower creators to have a platform to seamlessly put their creative on there, or media companies or advertisers or others who are right. now licensing and commissioning content going to be more prone to engage with so, a larger mass. So, I mean, but there's like, I mean, there are stock image, you know, galleries. They're, you know, like some of which are free or some of which are really cheap, which is sort of, you know, Getty still is this dominant player, but they've sort of been, you know, eaten away at the low end. So I think they bought up some of the Yeah, the, the there's a there's but. there's an awesome one that uh I'd love to plug and I can't remember <laughs> what it's called, but um if uh, I remember we could edit it in. Yeah, and and, and uh, I'm trying to forget too. There's there is actually a public domain uh it's not even just Creative Commons, like literally a public domain image search engine that I found to be really, really useful. But that's we're we're getting further away from, from this. But so um, so, so part of your idea. So, I guess okay. So, I should take a step back and admit, right? So, I was thinking about this in terms of specifically for like journalists putting up their own content. And, and part of what you were saying is that that this could also be sort of a, a tool for journalists to supply them with additional content that could could then you know, or or to publications to to um, to use to to enhance the content that they're already putting together, right? Yes, and. If you think further, again, not to get too dystopian, but <laughs> perfectly fine. But but there's amazing content creators, right? Uh-huh. Like Ben Thompson, right? Like sure. yourself, who are creating your own brand. Right. And I think what Twitter has shown us, right, is that many have their own brand on Twitter, but we really don't understand because Twitter doesn't have a stance on it. The IP and how content could be resold there. So I forgot the exact. Um, woman who who tweeted but there was a tweet storm mm-hmm. of a um who someone who overheard Donald Trump conversation 
through Talking Points Memo, and mm-hmm. it was like a 16-thread tweet storm, probably 400 words. That was absolutely incredible. That, mm-hmm. if written for the Post or for the Times or anywhere else, would either be behind a paywall or have ads against it and right. they'd monetize that journalism. However, this is just something that lives on Twitter um, that can be embedded, that can be retweeted, that'll live in the ether, but really has no idea where or how or or what consideration it should be towards journalism or content. And if you start pulling all of these assets, right, within Poet or any other system that's mm-hmm. thinking in this realm, like I'm not just trying to plug the work that we're doing here, I think when you talk about business models, which to me is the most interesting thing here, mm-hmm. do we change the idea of the value of media companies where it's easy to say, okay, for journalism and uh, news, the Washington Post, the New York Times, the ethics behind it, the editors, the rules, the legacy, the Pulitzers are extremely important, and mm-hmm. those belong there. But if you're creating content for a Vox or a Vice, and you already have 50,000 followers on Twitter, and all of a sudden Twitter gives you a better reason to publish there than publish on these media platforms, then I think people could be swayed that way. So I think that's what's interesting to me is... You kind of understand how Facebook monetizes. Medium's still trying to figure it out. And, right. and again, investing heavily in getting great creators and, yep. and great writers to go behind claps and subscriptions. But Twitter really has the entire ecosystem. Like, I was thinking about it earlier. There's probably not one article that mm-hmm. is written by you or any media company that is not tweeted, right? Like, every sure. URL is probably on Twitter, whether by the community <laughs> or the writer right. or the brand. and. Twitter right now doesn't have a stance about being right. a media company or what that is, which is interesting, but also if you want to talk about business models, an opportunity that may come up if you start to recognize the value and reach and engagement and scale of so, what you so get then, there. So, so I'm just thinking through this too. So so then do you do you think of something like Twitter as, as a competition? I mean, are, are you sort of trying to disrupt Twitter to some extent. I think to this case, I mean, the beauty of being mm-hmm. open source <laughs> and um, and nonprofit to be able to you know build this ecosystem and put the money back into it allows us to not have to feel competitive with sure, Twitter. Sure, sure. I mean, what I would say to Twitter uh, when it comes to how Poet could be a value is mm-hmm. when everyone tweets and when every piece of content goes there, allow each one of these handles and your Twitter creators to own their IP and have a archive of attribution and understanding of their tweets and allow them to then sell or license or syndicate their tweets, right? Like, what if embedding tweets um, was the same as sourcing content and you had to link back? Or what if um, the creator had a say whether or not they wanted their tweets to be used, right? Like, uh, a great example that I've been using as I think about this, and I know we're going a little off, but I hope it's still on, is um, when, like, during the California wildfires, mm-hmm. um, someone will take a video, right? And mm-hmm. if you look at the at <laughs> mentions, <laughs> it's like, puffing to post. It's can post I feed. use this video? Right. Can right. I use this? Use yeah. this. And the user really, they're not going to say no because the idea of being featured is the best value for that option. But right. but what if they did have the keys to be able right. to say? See, now, I, I mean, and, and this, this get, it could get into a much larger discussion <laughs> that goes way off track. But, like, I mean, my concern about that is, is it, you know, is a more general one, which is, like, 
you know, and I've made fun of like the yeah, the the news organizations rushing to anyone who has a photo of the you know whatever emergency or, or crisis there is, and it's it's. I mean, the, the even funnier, funnier, more serious one, like not just the California wildfires, but like the 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 Florida school shooting, where there was the the, the kid still in a classroom tweeting stuff out, and and the press was hounding him, like, mm-hmm. can we use your tweet? Yeah, and he's like still hiding from it's awful. A, I know. a shooter, and you're just like, what the, what's wrong with these people? But like. You know, there's there's a part of me that like, and, and again, as I said, this gets into a larger discussion. It's like, I'm not sure that content should be licensed. I don't think that like having a discussion around licensing that kind of content is really necessary. Like, you know, this is where like, you know, I mean, Creative Commons and fair use and and the ability to to to, uh, um, you know, look at things without having to 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 put a paywall between being able to use this content or not um, actually seems kind of important to me, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I worry about, like, the idea when you put everything into this position where it may then have to be licensed in one way or another, that becomes problematic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think... uh, I don't disagree there. I think I'm trying to stretch imagination to try to rationalize if it's being used anyway, how could it benefit those who are investing in creating. Okay. That's where it's um and it's something that to be quite honest has taken me the 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 most time to wrap my head around because it's very easy for me to understand the attribution and 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 the ingestion model. It's very easy for me to understand the discovery model. We've done it with Yelp, we've done it with Google, we do right. it with any search engine. But this middle area which is basically the token holders and enabling them has taken me a while, but then in the end, right, over like days and days of thinking through what that looks like, it's actually one of the most beneficial things to come out of this, which is if you could incentivize the community to your point where maybe not everything that is created or tweeted should be used, but mm-hmm. if something is staked within a marketplace and verified and a content creator has the opportunity to say, well, I could use this or this or this, and this tweet is actually real rich media, mm-hmm. um, then maybe things become interesting, right? Because what what you see with Yelp is what I fear with other search engines, which is uh, when I look for an ice cream place in Redwood City, uh, number three is going to be Red Mango. And there's like no way that Red, <laughs> Red Mango is number three, but like advertising has infiltrated our trust of search. And, and it's similar with Google, right? Mm-hmm. We trust an algorithm and then there's paid on the top. And, right. um, you know, if you type in uh, the New York Yankees, right, you'll get the Boston Red Sox tickets on the top or, you know, Google, Facebook, so forth. Right. And there's kind of this idea of if we enable instead of using paid, right, in search results or in discovery engines, what if we use community, mm-hmm. right? And and sure. And the Twitter example, to your point, I think that, yes, and like in those examples, things get extremely dicey, but people are doing it anyway, which is absolutely insane. Um, If you have all of that content and information and metadata there, then we could start to see what's coming up and what's not. Um, The the value of why I like Poet, though, Mm -hmm. and and it's, it's... its ambiguity, right, is also somewhat its promise, is that <laughs> if we were just focused on being the engine that sifted out fake news, I'd be mm-hmm. concerned, right? Or right. if we were just the engine that was going to pick, you know, the best stock photos of nature in California, then I'd be concerned. But this idea that we're kind of building a foundational infrastructure for people to seamlessly uh, ingest their content, right, build a marketplace for it, and then 
have it be discovered really allows the creators to show us right. what they're most interested yeah, in and, and how they can leverage it. And and and, and that's compelling. And so like I, I don't deny that. And, and you know, it does get back to like this other point that I've made a bunch, which is like, you know, especially over the last like ten years, you know, I'm sort of annoyed that that we've moved from a, a world of where the most interesting things on the internet were sort of protocols that anyone could build on to platforms that were sort of completely you know, owned by by a single corporation. I mean, I've argued over and over again that Twitter always should have just been a protocol mm-hmm. that anyone could have could have built off of. So, like, I mean, do you see Poet in that sense, and that that it could sort of be a sort of more open protocol um, that you know, and you don't necessarily know how it's going to be used. I mean, you know, when people invented SMTP, they didn't mm-hmm. quite realize <laughs> what was going to happen with email right. or or HTTP. Obviously, you know, it's it's you know, the ability to build sort of this foundational framework or, or protocol that then can can do more interesting things. Yeah. Is that is that sort of more of how you've Yes, yes. Okay. So so Poet the Protocol, um, when I describe it, it doesn't sound as uh, it doesn't sound as compelling, even though it probably to you it would have been because <laughs> um, in its simplicity, right, is this attribution and building on top of the ability to leverage permissions, leverage the right. ledger for any creator. And that is a code library that is open sourced. And all of these other things are open source libraries. This idea of the token or, or the TCR and the discovery engine is built on top of that protocol. Right. What I think you'll see and the conversations we've been having is that there's other blockchain startups and emerging companies in the sure. space that are talking to us that we are insisting that they build on because we have a great infrastructure and a foundation to your point and can it be the next HTTP, uh, HTTP that they're taking advantage of. Right. In the advertising space, right, there's so much attribution problems and issues there. By no means is Poet going to be an ad technology. Like, I've left that way behind <laughs> and I'm not looking to go back there. But there's amazing ad tech companies in this space that are looking to do things. Right. The other beauty that you've uh, kind of hit on, which is most interesting to me and why I bring up the Twitter example and why you know we think about Medium is that when we're looking at blockchain, right, it's we're looking at it as such a cornered market where mm-hmm. it's just new. And I think there's some companies that are that are so focused on building it and building it and just keeping it separate from everything else. What we want to do with Poet and the Protocol is there's nothing more than I'd love to do than, than work with, you know, get Washington Post on the platform, get mm-hmm. Longtail on the platform, get Twitter on the platform, or others that may be dabbling in this space, but say, look, there's already a protocol here, and maybe we could build something interesting on it, and let's see what happens. Because that's where I think, uh, to your point, things will get interesting. I, I, I want to believe, and I think I'd be naive not to, that what we're talking about today Mm-hmm. Will will exist, but that what is built on top of this, whether by us or by someone else um, on open source, is is going to be quite interesting and way more compelling. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I I still have concerns or doubts about you know, you know, for for a protocol to be successful, right? It needs to there needs to be a reason for people to use it in the mm-hmm. first place, right? You have sort of the chicken and egg problem, and and I'm I, you know. I'm repeating myself at this point. I'm I'm not convinced that the sort of attribution and sort of the you know licensing aspect of it are compelling enough on its own to to do it. But I, I could be wrong, and and maybe everybody else does think that that's a big <laughs> deal. And and then you know and then then we start to see the interesting things come out of it. I'm I'm you know I'm 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 
I'm, you know, I'm talking to you because I'm interested yeah, in this, yes, right? Of course, you know, I'm, of I'm not. I, 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 this is not something that I think. You know, and, and I think there's 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 something interesting here. I'm I'm and, and right. You know, I'm trying to figure <laughs> out where where that is. Yeah, and like put a like poet protocol and you know IPFS uh-huh. data store, and I think all of those combinations, right? You think of how we store images and how sure. we store video today, and and how little metadata we're able to pull from video, and I think what this protocol hopes to solve. And there's actually people in the community, like someone sent us a, uh, someone from Knowledge Arc, mm-hmm. um, which uh, I, I believe is in the UK, but but there's someone who built on the Poet platform and they sent us you know a new way to stamp Poet um, metadata within video metadata of mm-hmm. any video through their engine. Um, there's others that are hooking it with WordPress. Like I think, I think to your point, uh, and again, I told you it sounds oversimplified because, um, <laughs> There's going to be a lot of things that are built out to it. Now, like a right. question for you and what I think helps drive what we're thinking is that um, I think it's safe to say that the media business is in an interesting space. right? Sure. Like Jonah Preddy came out yesterday and said that Facebook, sh- like like if Facebook is not paying back publishers, then they will face regulation. And, and like, I don't know if that could ever be the case, but it's right. an interesting claim. And, and there's just a lot of... Um, conversations, right? You see uh, Mike come out, right, a business mm-hmm. insider, and defend themselves, and and everyone's on the defense. And what right. I'm hoping for, and what blockchain hopefully will inspire, even though that is so ambiguous. But <laughs> what happened with Napster and music was mm-hmm. a clear sign that there was an issue going on. Uh, that music was too expensive. That it was too easy to steal. That there wasn't value seen by the consumer for the cost of what it was, and there were clear signs, clear signs, clear signs until the community just took over and built something that right. like, like broke the whole entire ecosystem. And while we're back with Spotify and some other things, we had to build within that wreckage. Right. And so in media today, it's very similar to the writing on the wall that we saw with music uh, in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. And, and my thoughts are, and I'm curious your take with... Um, ad blocking, viewability, right. subscriptions, um, all of these uphill battles that we're constantly talking about, <laughs> platforms and media, um, are there any preventative measures that we could really take when it comes to bettering business models or really trying to get ahead of it before someone else just comes out and unearths us and right. we, yeah, we I, have to figure it out? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, the, 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 I think that's, that is a big challenge. I think um, I... You know, to some extent, I, I worry about the idea of even framing it as preventative measures, right? Because I, it feels sort of very defensive, right? And I think, <laughs> right. you know, I think part of the problem and part of the reason why the music industry, the recording industry in particular, had to go through the sort of very painful process that it went through was that that was the attitude that they took too, right? So very, very antagonistic, very much fighting it. And and I, to some extent, like I think that the journalism space has definitely done that to some extent as well. I mean, I, I'm like the the heretic when it, when, it, when it comes to, uh, like, ad blocking and stuff, where I'm like, you know, all these people in the journalism space get furious about ad blocking, and I was just like, frankly, if you want to block the ads on my site, it's because I've done a bad job, and the ads on my site suck. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and there are all sorts of nuances there, but, you know, we, we got to the point where we did this, like, two years ago. We actually allow our users to turn off ads and not not pay to turn off ads literally like if you don't like the ads on our site you can click a button there's a little thing that says Mm -hmm. don't like our ads turn them off 
and people can turn them off. Not that many people actually do, and in fact, you know, in saying that and in announcing that, we got a whole bunch of people to donate money to right. us because they're <laughs> like, oh, you guys are, you know, you're cool and you're not fighting us on it. And, and we say, you know, we don't get mad about, about ad blocking, even though I'm sure a huge percentage of our user base does it. Um, and so, you know, which none of that actually fully answers your question, but, but, but you know, but I think, you know, my take on it is always like, I want to do things that, and it goes back to the, the, the point that I made earlier of like the importance of like community and you want to have like a strong community that is, is supportive. Um, and to me, like a lot of the, the paywalls that are there today, I don't know if I would say fully 100%, but, but a bunch of the paywalls and um, a bunch of the things like the anti-ad blocking efforts are in some sense very anti-community. They're mm-hmm. sort of driving away some of the people as opposed to trying to figure out a nice way to bring them in. It's 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 much more stick than carrot, right? And so I'm much more interested in business models that are involve the carrot, which say like, we are a welcoming community, come in and join us. If there's a way that that also allows us to, you know, feed my family, mm-hmm. <laughs> you right. know, that would be good. So, so my interest in the business model side is, you know, are there... Are there ways to, you know, and again, going back to like the way media worked way back when, when you had sort of the local newspaper, local community, and you could sell advertisements and subscriptions on that in a way that was very symbiotic and and the incentives were aligned for the most part, you know, not 100%. I feel like a lot of the business model structure today are, are the business models are antagonistic, right? I mean, so like... Um, you know, the reason you know, people have all different reasons for why they block ads, some of which is like it's there are security risks. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you have all these stories of people hacking into or putting malware through advertising networks. You know, the ads are annoying and intrusive and disruptive. And, you know, and so, you know, when you and, and when you have, you know, a structure even like and I know lots of sites do this and I respect them and that's fine where they'll say, like, you know, pay us money um, you know, and we'll take the ads off the site. To me, like that, that sets up the wrong incentive structure too, because that's saying like, now my incentive as a site, if I want to get money out of you, part of my community, is I should make my ads really bad. Yeah, <laughs> because, right, because, and hold ransom. Right, you know, and I want, and you know, not that I would do that personally, just because I would find that distasteful, but like, so, so I'm, I'm, you know, what I would like to see, and you know, I agree, like, the business model question is a big one, but I would, I, I, and, and I don't have the answer to it, but I would like to see the business model that, again, aligns those incentives again, so that the, the structure is that what's good for the journalism aspect of it is also good for the community, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and the, the journalism side is getting paid for. And I'm not sure where that is, and it just feels like most of the the examples and um, you know, business models that we've seen are kind of antagonistic. Yeah, and I think and I think your point is true. I think there's this fear. It's kind of like if you're going to skydive and uh-huh. uh, you could barrel roll out of the plane and just not enjoy <laughs> the whole way down, um, or you could just let yourself go. And I think what I think to your point, it's very true, and that's what bothers me with the ad blocking conversations as well. And and again, why I'm excited about this whole decentralized, community-driven element is that even with ad blocking and when you ask people to turn off their ads or you say, we'll give you better ads, you're still not like putting your ear to the ground and hearing what everyone is saying, which is basically, your ads are bothering me, I like your content, but it's nearly unbearable. And you're going to make me go through it, I'm going to go somewhere else. And 
Well, I think to your point, it seems scary uh, to kind of be like a feather in the wind of just hoping that the consumer does the right thing. I think what you often find in your case, right, mm-hmm. with being able to turn ads off, and I know there's been a lot of uh, experiments with Twitch and others where sure. people see a lot of value, and when given the choice and understanding the true rep, uh, like the true uh, value of. Um, like what that brings and enables to the site, then they really start to think about it more. So, sure. so like it's not so much forcing people to do things, but just educating them on why certain things are done and how to do it better, so that they could appreciate right the experience they're getting. Yeah, yeah, no, and I think it's interesting, and I think you know we we definitely need more experiments and we need more you know more ways to test things out and and to sort of figure out what works and so i mean if you guys do figure it out i'm, I'm <laughs> that, that's that's cool yeah uh, i will call you first <laughs> or dm you or any any which way i could uh uh show you some progress <laughs> cool well uh thank you uh for for taking the time for for coming to my office and 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 sitting down and 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 having this chat especially after i i, I probably said not nice things about you no, no, it's my look um it's it's uh it's being held accountable that's going to get us to uh, to do what we're seeking out to do, right? And uh, I I appreciate it, and I appreciate the conversation. Sure, yeah, and and, and best of luck, and uh, thanks to everyone for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week.